welcome to Unraveling Crypto, the podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie. If you're curious about Web3 but don't know where to start, you're in the right spot. I know how full your life is already, and I also know how much freedom this expansive space can offer. Each episode, we bring on Web3 experts to share what they love. Through easy conversation, we cover topics like financial literacy, blockchain, and how to use these in practical ways. It's not just about technology, but about who is building it and why it's being built. After a glitchy couple of weeks with some tech issues, we are back to regular programming with none other than Mark McKenzie. For those of you that may not know, he's the founder of the Megapont Ape Club built on Stacks. In this episode, Mark talked about the unexpected value in moving to a traditional 9-to-5 tech job after being in the startup world and ultimately how this reroute and becoming a dad was the catalyst for finding his way into NFTs and crypto. He also shared about their upcoming female-focused NFT collection and the thought process behind it as a male-led team. Let's dive in. Welcome, Mark, to Unraveling Crypto. It is such an honor to have you here. And I've been a huge fan of you and Megapond for, well, since the very beginning. So welcome to Unraveling Crypto. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I love to start the episode with two questions. And the first one is, what are you grateful for right now? Uh, some sun- Right now, some sunshine. Um, so I'm in the UK. It's been we've had a nice summer, which makes all the difference. It used to be a bit of a joke on British people to talk about weather, but um, <laughs> most importantly, it means that over you know the school holidays. So I have three young children. Over the school holidays, you can actually be outside, which um, does a lot to keep you keep you happy, right? Um, more often mm. than not, I sit inside at a computer. I've got a desk with monitors, so it's not like a laptop setup. Um, so it means that if it's quite nice at the end of the day, I can. Um, I can go outside and spend at least half an hour to an hour with them in the in the garden while they have a player on. So spending time with the kids during summer has been quite quite great. Mm, yeah, and summertime, always enjoying that sunshine. Okay, so the second question um, is, what's your superpower? So that thing or that gift that comes most natural to you and is effortless? Um, I, that's, that's such a tough question. I think, and perhaps this is taking um, taking some out, out the mouth of uh, Longstreet, who's uh, a well-known musician in the stacks uh, space. He's absolutely fantastic, and he said that my superpower is being able to to bring multiple people together to work mm. on something. Um, you know, because you can't do everything yourself, um, and more often than not, it's about finding the right people for the right job and, and making sure that everyone's brought together. So. Um, I, I guess persuading people to come and work on a project could be, <laughs> could be the superpower there. It's certainly so. And I think we have evidence of that. Um, so a lot of my community does is very new to crypto, very new to NFTs. Could you just share a little bit about your background and how you got into crypto? I mean, I know it's a it's a long story, but... Yeah, I mean, we we can keep it sort of concise. Um, I'm in, so I'm an engineer. So I'm a developer, software developer, engineer, hacker, tech guy, whatever you want to sort of um, call that role. And I have been a developer since I was sort of like 15, 16. So typical background for, for most self-taught developers anyway, you know, drop out of college, writing some software, getting paid. Um, and then when crypto really started i don't even say taking off but doing the rounds in sort of the hacker news circles and the and the accelerator scenes and all of the tech hubs um back in 2012 um, i was going through a, a startup accelerator at the time when i was nice and young um and at this time like startups were um were everything right you just had instagram sold to facebook for i think it was a billion dollars at the time which seemed crazy right you had these six guys working on product that had no money um and was sold to facebook for a billion dollars obviously now that wouldn't make news it would just be like oh man so so but at the time it was huge right it was absolutely massive and everybody wanted to work on startup right everybody wanted to work on that idea that would be acquired acquired by some big sort of fan company for a crazy amount of money um so you had these 
startup accelerators in almost every city in the world, right? And for those who don't know an accelerator, typically they've changed, but they used to be, hey, you'll receive $10,000 of funding, which is not really funding, it's we're paying your bills for three months. Um, and you'd be sort of early 20s, maybe late 20s, but it was this very similar demographic and working on something for three months, right? That's it. So you're just hacking away 20-hour days, almost sleeping in an office and just trying to build a company. And um, the, the reasoning and the thinking is if you bring everyone together and you bring mentors and people with similar experience, and um, it just accelerates the process of creating a company. So I went through an accelerator, which was a lot of fun. I went through one the following year after as well. Um, and at the time, uh, we had someone in the um, someone on the accelerator um, who kept telling us about Bitcoin. So this was sort of early 2012. And he just wouldn't shut up about Bitcoin and how it was going to change the world and how fantastic this all was. And um, like everyone else there, I, I bought a bunch of Bitcoin, right? Like you've got someone hammering for you to buy this. It's going to change the world. It's decentralized, I think, money at the time was how we'd describe it. Um, but none of us could picture anything build, be on, being built on top of it, right? So we're like, oh, speculative investment. Um, we'll buy a bunch of this. Um, so that's when I got involved. And then the following year, I think it was 2013, I bought a whole bunch of Dogecoin um, again. Like, I think Bitcoin had started to take off um, at this time. Uh, I bought some Dogecoin because I was like, hey, this could be Bitcoin. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> Um, I was only 23, right? That's, I guess, the, the, what I put it down to. Um, but all amongst all this, I've been into tech and writing software, right? So then 2015 happens and we have, um, I had my first child, Neve. Um, so we had, had my daughter and I just wanted a bit of stability. I was only 25 at the time. Um, when you have a child, you have to kind of put your own life on the back burner almost, right? The, um, she was the most important thing at the time. And one thing that um, a lot of people who, who aren't founders don't understand is it's, it's relentless. It's nonstop. Um, it's all you can think about. It's all consuming all the time, not just during the, the workday, but the weekend, especially if you've got things like payroll and, you know, you're scared that customers are going to leave. Um, you live and breathe your startup. And I just wanted to, I guess, be a bit of a dad, right? Um, so took up a nine to five at a great company called Visible. Uh, I actually, I was giving a talk um back in like 2013 about how um big data isn't how open data isn't big data so big data was all the rage then not crypto right that was the that was that was what it was um and someone who attended that talk um actually said hey i'm keen hiring you so i, I took up a role as a head of data science at, at that company spent five years there and um had a, had a lot of fun and, you know, we went through the, the ICO cycle while there, which was a lot of fun at a company because it's a tech startup. So had everyone buying these random coins and we had obviously the internal Slack channel where everyone's shilling some kind of coin that has no purpose, no white paper. It, it went to zero after the first pump kind of happened. Um, and I really missed Ethereum because I, I, I had a bit of a sour taste due to empty gox obviously the, the bitcoin exchange that collapsed i had a whole bunch of bitcoin there i eventually moved some of it to, to coinbase um i was one of the early users of coinbase i joined so early that brian armstrong the ceo of coinbase was actually sending everyone a little bit of bitcoin if you joined no way so I, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah still, at that time I, yeah i still have that bitcoin um so yeah he would send everyone a bit of bitcoin if you could persuade them to come and try out um coinbase so it's funny i had a little email exchange with him and i said I'm scared that you guys are going to be empty gox, so you're just going to get acquired and shut down. And he kind of had a nice back for some early monetization um, ideas, which was mostly just charging for an API. Obviously, they became bigger than I think anyone at the time could have imagined, for sure. They're an abs absolute giant right now in the space. Um, I'm still so salty that um, my account needs a review process completed due to touching Tornado. But anyway, I, we might mention some of that stuff. Um, so yeah, being in crypto all over the space, um, I guess it's quite a senior tech job. And then um, I started getting real heavy into crypto when, I guess I'd be naive to say it, when the price just wasn't going up, right? I'd, I'd held on to these coins since they were sub $100. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh God, these are worth a hell of a lot of money right now. Um, and I was fortunate enough and I say fortunate enough because this is true. Um, like people ask me what my secret is for holding on to Bitcoin since so early. 
And it's just simply that I was fortunate enough to be in a financial position where I could, right? Um, I was in a well-paying tech job. If I wasn't, I would have sold it way before I, you know, it got to any material life-changing amount of money. It's just a fact. Um, there's no secret to it beyond that. I think most people who have significant Bitcoin wealth from the early days are in one of few camps. They just have this unwavering conviction that it really means more than, than money. At which point they won't sell if it gets to a million dollars. They're just going to hold it forever because it means so much more to them than what it does to many other people. Um, those who forgot about it and then remembered, which I know a few of those people as well, and those that were just wealthy enough or fortunate enough to not have to sell it on those rises. So there's no secret to it, really. It's either a case of um, you can afford to hold it or you just consider this to be something more than 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 money itself, right? It just means more to you. Um, and then I started getting deep into crypto then. Um, I, in amongst all this, I'm founding up startups, doing a whole bunch of boring stuff I won't talk about because we focus on the crypto side of things. Um, and then um, I, I was involved with a startup doing some KYC stuff for R. And um, we were doing the K, we, we created a platform that became, I think, one of the largest KYC platforms for, for art businesses, galleries, auction houses, that kind of thing. We had a whole bunch of people coming to us. Like, have you heard of these NFT things? I was like, hell are these NFT? What the hell's an NFT? This would have been um, post like kitties and punks, uh, but early, right? So maybe like 2019, early 2019, something like that. So we, and they were coming to us and saying, do like, we want to sell these as a gallery. Do we need to go for KYC, all this stuff. And I was like, I have no idea. I don't even know what this thing is. Um, started getting into it there um, and getting really, consumed in the in the space at, at this point and then covid happened and um that business was on pause because every art gallery and dealership in the world closed like everything just shut right and the art industry is is based and around these global events that happen art basel and there's art fairs and museums and trips the whole industry is built on that it didn't suffer heavily but galleries were shutting down sales just grinded to a complete halt in in many instances um, and then I guess the most impactful thing that's ever happened to me in my life outside my children being born was GameStop. But everyone always comes back to this, like the meme GameStop. Um, I, I just got caught up in that, in that hype and timed it perfectly. And it put me in a position where I was like, there's really something more to online communities than I previously thought. And GameStop was and I say GameStop, Wall Street Bets and GameStop um, was my first experience of using Discord for anything outside of gaming. So they had the, the Discord group where everyone would go and talk and it was just wild in there. It was just crazy. And I, people often say to me again, how did you time GameStop? And I, if I wasn't in that Discord and caught up in that hype with everyone else, I would have jumped off flat train long before I did. But it just something special about being in there I think it's a lot similar with a lot of board ape holders, right? They say it's the community kind of, I don't want to say coerce them into holding, but you feel like you just have to be part of it. And it felt like that at the time. Exactly. And it felt like that at the time. And then it eventually got to like a crazy price. I was like, okay, now my time is, has come to, to jump off there because I can now stop working where I'm working. Like this is wild. Um, so then that happened. Um, we, um, yeah, I, I then moved into a tech lead job at a new company to try new things. Obviously, this was a time where I changed a lot in my life and working on, I wanted to work on like bigger problems. Um, and we, we obviously had that stability now with the children. So uh, I went to a different company and then got really caught up in NFTs there, like just massively in communities, um, just figuring out what was making communities somewhat successful, what wasn't. Um, and then I met uh, Weasley on Twitter, who's the artist behind Megapon. And we just hit it off and we're like, let's see if we can do something. Um, and that's how I got into NFTs, like long-winded story of just always being involved in crypto in one way. And then um, just um, just jumping into it. I think my ethos, uh, like one of the ways of learning as a program, and you're always taught this, is to just like write code, right? Just Just write some code. You can read all of the books. And, you know, I have like many O'Reilly books like everyone else. Where I'm making notes. Program Bitcoin, by the way, it's a great book. 
Um, and that's okay, but I, I feel like I'm not learning unless I'm just writing code. Um, and because of that, um, and you, after like sort of 10 years of thinking like that, you just want to try things. You, you don't want to just be a passive observer. You want to be involved, you want to be in the trenches, talking to people, um, going through the ideation phase. Just If you've got a crazy idea, just reaching out to as many people as you can to, to get some feedback. And I just, me and Weasley just were like, let's do it. We've got literally nothing to lose. Um, and I, I think he was in a bit of a different position because he was doing a lot of contracting work with like really big companies. So he was like, can I, can I even do this NFT thing? Is it going to really hurt my like real job that I have? Um, and I just said to him, I was like, as, as long as the project isn't a rug, right, then you're fine. But like, realistically, if it, if it doesn't go off to the moon, and the community kind of fizzles out and they've bought really cool pixel art, then, then so be it. But you've got nothing to lose as long as we're honest with ourselves and do what we think is the right thing. So, you know, we priced the mint at the time. It was like $30. Obviously, Stacks decided to move when we kind of got involved with, with Stacks as well. So it was a nice double dip for everyone. Um, but we priced it at a point and we kept the community numbers low because we just thought we're really doing this for an experiment and to have a whole bunch of fun more, more than anything else. And we wanted to do it hands-on instead of passively just buying an NFT and joining the existing community. You know, I've got a whole bunch of NFTs from, from other communities and um, I just thought it'd be cool to, to build a community, try and get a whole bunch of people together around a sort of com common theme of thinking. Um, so that's how, I guess, my, my time in NFTs came to, 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 yeah. to, to happen. I mean, so a few things that I want to touch upon. One really quickly, um, because a lot of us here are entrepreneurs or founders, but we also know that like the highs and lows that that can bring of um, mm. one month you're great, the next month uh, you don't really know. And, and it's really challenging. And then making a decision to kind of go back to work for a nine to five. What was your thought process in that? And did you feel a little bad at some point because of that oh, yes like um i think it was easier for me than it is for a lot of people like typically your startup isn't doing well you've got no cash flow um it makes no sense to double down on a like a down round or something um and it just screams that now it's time to move on we weren't quite at that stage but we were close to it being naturally the time to move on anyway but most founders they, they don't go back to a nine to five. It just doesn't happen. Um, and the right opportunity, I, I, one common theme in my life over the last five years is seven years or so is I seem to be in the right place at the right time more than anything else. Like people say, what's happened? Right place, right time, talking to the right person at the right time. And I spoke to Mark Pereira, who was the, the CEO at, at, at Visible, who's an entrepreneur. And um, he really, you know, he, 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 he he played that founder card on me so well, like the great founders do, right? Which is, I'm trying to build something remarkable here, come along and be a part of this journey. And that's like the most important thing when you're hiring as a founder as well, right? You need to articulate your vision and your dream. And you want, because as a founder, other people are working on your dream for you. And they need to have a really compelling reason to do that. And the best founders can articulate that and get you excited to work on. And feel like there's, there's, um, there's some sort of um, reciprocal um, compensation coming from that, not just in the form of I give you my time, you give me a salary, but um, whether that's like mentally, it's a really good place to work, good work-life balance. And that was the thing for me as well. Mark said, you know, this is one, well-paying. Two, we're going to try and change the world in one way. Um, and three, it's a nine to five. Like go enjoy time with your children and, that's also underrated about a nine to five. Um, I remember I was at the company six months and this was, this was when I made the decision that this is what I want to do for a few years. We went on holiday for two weeks and I know that sounds really ridiculous, but we went on holiday for two weeks and we had this really nice villa um, in New York and I didn't take a laptop with me. And since like then, I, you know, that just hasn't happened. We went away last December um, with, the, with the children over Christmas and I took a laptop and I was on it every day. 
And I think thinking back to like 2016, when I was able to take two weeks away with no laptop and come back and have no, I, I, what, what have I missed? How far behind am I with things? Is so undervalued. And there's a, I think there's a right time for, for everything. And for me, it was, hey, I've, I've got a child I want to spend time with. And I don't regret it one bit. For those who perhaps don't have children or this big, big event, um, I think it, it will always feel bad because you feel like you're probably letting yourself down and a whole bunch of other people, especially if you've raised investment. Um, but just you can go back again, right? Like you, you can learn a lot working at some of these companies. Um, and more than anything else, one thing that's, again, not people, a lot of people forget is the networking aspect, especially if you're like a big fan company or a bigger startup between 10 to 100 people that's growing. You'll make connections and, and you know, meet people that will be lifetime um, friendships that you can call back on later. You know, Megapon has always used um, developer talent that I've met working for startups. Um, or that I've been introduced to for being working at a nine to five. So there's downsides to it for sure. But um, if you want more time in your life, then the nine to five is definitely what you want. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think um, it's it's this idea of like starting a business or entrepreneurship is really cool, and it's not that glamorous. The highs are amazing. Yeah, the highs are the highs. Like if you close a big deal or you close a funding round or you get that key hire, you you come home and you're just like. I'm going to change the world. This is amazing. Nothing can stop me. That's how you feel. And that's um, a typical sort of brain chemistry at work. The highs are amazing. And NF the thing about NFTs as well, come on to this as a founder now in the NFT space, is everything is, is accelerated. The highs come quicker. The lows come quicker. And um, it's, it's weird because you're in this situation where you're kind of in the public eye, but not. You're, you're building in public. You've got a lot of stakeholders who have a public platform themselves to talk about you and the project. Um, so I think without, you know, without, I, I, generally speaking, I have, I'm very fortunate outside of, outside of work, you know, um, three young children, uh, great partner, live in a relatively nice location. Um, without those anchors outside, then even Megapon would have been tough at times for sure. Like really tough. Um, like there are times when you, you'd log into discord and I don't know. And I, I tried to hammer this to our community as well. Like I think a lot of people don't understand um, that their, their words have consequences and that there are people that they're directing them to, even on like some of the smaller projects. I see this the most, which um, you know, if like there's a, a couple of projects I won't mention names where they've raised maybe like $30,000 and the, the, the floor price of the asset hasn't increased and the discord is either like silent and dead or there's a whole lot of people in there being not particularly nice and you can't help but think of the human behind that who's spent six months working really hard on this project and relatively speaking has earned close to minimum salary in a western nation and they've put in 20 hour um, days and they've worked really hard and you just know they're going to be in a bad place, like genuinely. And I, you know, if, if I didn't have my great support network, I'd probably be in not a great space a lot of more of the time. Um, and I think, you know, everyone has to find that anchor, like, and, and make sure you, you fully appreciate that as well. So whether that's like working out, meditating, reading, it doesn't have to be family as well. Like that, that's not particularly what it is, but, for most people, finding like the anchor that you're happy to spend some time in and it just makes you feel a little bit better about yourself is so important, yeah. whatever that may be. Maybe it's like walking your, your dog yeah. or go-karting or something like that. I mean, I think what you're saying is really powerful because we can be so invested in work or in what we're doing and um, that's not sustainable if that's all we're focusing on especially when the lows hit and having something else as a support or as like you said anchor is is really what's gonna help you maintain the long-term vision like keep mm. with that vision so sure. tell us a little bit about megapont so everyone here listening might not know what megapont really is or how it came about um just share with us about this incredible project yeah, so Megapont is a uh, is an NFT community project on on the Stacks blockchain, um, and 
it's really um, one of my close friends. I've kind of been a mentor at times. Um, Daniel Tenner, Swambat on Twitter, um, said that what you're creating here is a artist launch pad. And that's certainly what I think loosely Megapont is, which is it, it really is focused on, on the artists and building a community around the works that they produce in many ways. Um, i.e. we want to combine tech and great art and do cool things. And a byproduct of that is attracting a certain type of community who's interested in those experiences. Um, what tends to happen, which is what happened on Megapont as well, you are successful and the price goes through the roof and it attracts a different crowd in many ways. Um, but our core community is still there for the community, I genuinely believe. Um, so it's a, it's a community-driven project where we do cool things on blockchains, not just on Stacks, on Ethereum, and we're open to going wherever. We, we just want to build in Web3 and crypto. Um, we're very chain agnostic and crypto maxi as opposed to any uh, specific blockchain. Yeah. And when you um, and Weasley started talking about it, what were the values that you wanted to embody and to instill? When Accessibility was definitely like, I've had, we lost our way on this just with the price of, and many other projects. I think, you know, you could probably speak to, to Yuga Labs and they would say the same thing, i.e. we wanted an accessible, cool community. But when like an NFT costs $100,000 or even in Megapon's case at one point, it was $4,000. Um, your project isn't accessible at all to probably like 99% of the population. Um, and, you know, we wanted to price it so it was accessible. We could build a, a really cool community that would grow with us as well. Um, and it's interesting. When we go back to the early days of Megapod, we had people asking us, like, how do I mint? How do I create a wallet? Like, what's an NFT? And now it's completely different. We have people in there who understand different protocols. They're all involved with DAOs. Um, you know, we've had someone who recently had a proposal passed um, to uh, expand the nouns community in Brazil, which is fantastic. Uh, well-known um, tax contributor. And I think we, 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 we wanted to not educate, but grow ourselves with the community. So I, I would be pretty confident in saying that now, uh, the majority of, especially the OG8 holders are very, um, uh, are very well informed with the sort of basics of, of NFTs and cryptocurrencies and, and various different protocols as well. Um, so accessibility was the first one. Other, other than that, um we we you know um it i i don't i'm gonna swear once and it's that's that typical saying don't be a dick right um we were very harsh in the early days with banning people and we attracted a certain type of community member in those early days before mint where people respected that we just wasn't that we weren't taking any bullshit it's we just didn't want because these, like, this type of bad behavior in communities is like weeds, right? It just takes one and it just grows from there exponentially. So we were very strict in the early days of just removing anyone from the community that was harmful in any way possible. It's a bit different now because people have bought an NFT, like they financially invested in some way and they're part of the project. So we have to be a bit more lenient, even if we disagree with what someone is saying, because if someone has has minted every one of our NFTs. And, you know, this happened today. There was a whole discussion in, in the Discord where some people, naturally the price of an asset goes down. They want to suggest new ways of doing things or they're questioning some of the proposed ways. And this happens on every project. And one community member was saying, oh, can we ban this person? And we, we said no, because as well, like everyone has a bad day. Even community members have a bad day as well. And you don't know if that individual's had something happen to them in their job or with their partner or in their lives. And they've just come into Discord and just blown off some steam. And I know they perhaps shouldn't do that. But if they have no other outlet, then it's a pretty harmful, a harmless place to do it, right? Generally speaking, most people can ignore it. They can be muted. And I'm not saying everyone should just go to Discord then because they shouldn't. But if they do... Um, you know, we're quite flexible now in understanding that, especially when there's a bear market as well, people might have lost a whole bunch of money and not be in a good spot. So we let things pass a lot more. Um, yes, it affects us and it's rough. And sometimes we question, we're like, should, is this what we want to do long term? But for the, for the most part, yeah, we, 
try to create a, a, a very inclusive community that consisted of people who were nice people. Um, I think I think we've succeeded somewhat at that anyway as well. I mean, 100% because I I was there from the very beginning too. I think I, I like my boyfriend was like, hey, go on the Discord. They're giving whitelists out. <laughs> like just, yeah, saying, them, just by asking button, yeah. it. Yeah, asking, <laughs> and I, yeah, you're so right. Like, and that's how we, people, like I would log on. I'd be in bed on my laptop at like 1 a.m. This was before the mint. And I think we started to blow up when Stacks re- retweeted one of our apes that we put out. Yeah. But for the most part, we still had like 300 people in our Discord for forever, right? Yeah. And people would just come in and they'd be like, hey, Mark, can I, can I be part of the event? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, why am I yeah. going to say no to that person? Like, they've come in. They will... And some of the, like, the most valuable community members are those people who just popped in and were like, this is cool. Can I be part of it? Um, yeah. So, yeah. This, yeah, we had like, no idea how it was going to go, but um yeah that it was, went well was, that for, them. <laughs> for the for the early ape minters it went very well um like the, i think the best stories that we had two people have come to me um after after mint with some of the significant sales and one of them um lives in india and was like this has completely changed my life i've been able to buy a house and like put my family in a position that we never imagined would happen and they only minted two apes as well, right? They minted two apes because they just couldn't afford for the five, um, which is really sad because, um, again, a lot of people are like, well, why wouldn't they sell one? Well, um, good job they didn't because they sold a life change amount of money from one of the apes, right? So for whatever reason, they didn't. I don't know. You'd have to speak to them. But they bought a house. They changed their life. And somebody else was in a similar position as well. They were like, I've been able to, to pay off um, a significant expense that has really been affecting my life. So thank you. Um, they stuck with, with, with us the most. And then, um, yeah, you remember those. And when you, I think Johan posted a photo the other day on Twitter of his birthday cake with his ape on. And someone, I think someone thought I was joking when I said that that's more important to us than anything else because that's so cool, right? As like a founder, seeing the price go up, like I don't get anything from that. Maybe we get some increased royalties or something, but like, we don't really get anything from that at all. It's no... And given how the NFT market works, it's really no um, or no result of any of our efforts in many instances, right? Um, it's I don't want to say it's random, but it's really where the most momentum and big voices go. So it doesn't mean much. But when people like have a birthday cake or their ape on, like that's really fucking cool, right? You see that, and like that's just awesome. Um, and the Yuga Labs team probably the same. I bet. Like floor price aside, you know, when the founders there, Gordon and so on, like they have eight vests and everyone is wearing their merch and wants a photo of them. That'll feel so much better than the the price of the assets for sure. And anyone who um, doesn't think that's the case hasn't built a startup when you have no users, right? Um, <laughs> where you're like just one person saying they like what I built here would be great. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself too. Like at that time, I didn't have enough money to mint all five. Like I was yeah. really stretched thin and somebody came in and were like, can I buy your other two? And I was like, yeah. And I, I mean, I bought three, sold one on that Sunday, which yeah. the price went up to like, I think it was $1,000 that I wow. like sold it. And that was enough for me for to get me through like December that I needed to get through. And then yeah. I held on to the other ones and I was fortunate to then find gigs and find, you know, find stability. But I mean, that amount of money, especially thinking about like Colombia, like somebody, if my aunts or my uncles, cousins bought that, that would have gone such a long way. And then at some point, the, I mean, it did go up to, I think, like the, 5, the problem with that, though, and I've said this as well, is yes, and like, I want to talk about that. We lose those community members, like we lose them. It's like me with Bitcoin. Bitcoin lost a whole bunch of people who believed in it, but just couldn't afford to hold on to it. Like we lost a whole bunch of apes who just, when they went to like four thousand dollars, we lost some of our people. Kept one in some instances. We didn't lose some of them, but some of them we did lose them all. And it's just they can't afford to hold on to this anymore. And that's like really sad. So that's why we minted the Kongs as well. Like a lot of people ask us why we did this. Do we do I think that's a mistake? And no, because it's it's a really affordable entry point into the project, which didn't exist before them. Um, yeah, there's a bear market now, so everything's a hell of a lot cheaper. 
But at the time, it was $4,000 to join Megapond. And like my friends couldn't join um, because like, I don't want to tell my friends to spend $4,000 on a JPEG to join a community because if it goes to zero and it's unbiased because I'm part of it, I'm the one getting WhatsApp and Telegram messages being like, hey, about this NFT, I ruined your life, especially at $4,000 if they're buying a few. Um, so losing those members really hurts, um, which is why which is a lot of projects get berated for this. Like, why have you released a baby collection that's worthless? They're not worthless. They are a low entry point to people who don't have the means for an expensive NFT. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Megapon and you guys have done really well because you also have done collabs where you've done free, free, free mints, if I'm not yeah. wrong with the We've um, done two Indigo. free mints. Yeah. yeah. And that's really powerful. Like, I remember I was minting and giving them away to my cousins and stuff. And like, it yeah. meant something because not every, like you said, it's accessibility and not everybody can afford to even get $50. And um, yeah. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. We, um, we joke around about, um, you know, don't be poor or buy Bitcoin and you'll be rich, but some people just can't. It's as simple as that. Like a lot of people, are like, Oh, I could buy a few sats here and now. Like, well, no, you don't think you understand how rough it can be for some people where they can't buy food. Like they can't buy sats cause they can't buy food. Um, like it's really hard for, for some people. So the free collections were like, it's just, these are all stepping stones because, um, a lot of people who are in those rough situations aren't in those forever. They might be a student, they might be young, they might have like a big medical expense or they're paying for their children to go through something. It's a whole bunch of reasons. But um, a lot of the time they, they work their way out of it and they find themselves in a different situation. The story of the Pudgy Penguin is quite good. Yesterday of the sale. So there was, I think it was a 400 ETH sale of a Pudgy Penguin. It was about $600,000 and it blew up, went everywhere. And everyone's saying, is this wash trading? which is the process of people trading between themselves to make it look real. Is this money laundering? Why would you do this? This makes no sense. Buy a house, buy a car. And it's a little bit of story there, which is quite cool, which is the individual who bought that um, made all of his money within that community and they transformed his life. And he put out that Twitter video and he was like, I'm just a black kid who's made it now. And his way of rewarding where he'd got to was I don't care if this is the biggest sale ever because this community means more to me than money. So there's a whole bunch of reasons and people people are like that. I wouldn't be shocked if someone comes back to Megapon in six months time and buys the most expensive ape and people are like, why would you do this? And someone could be along the lines of, hey, this got me started in NFTs on crypto. That's why. Yeah. Um and they remember that moment. Yeah. So before we go into like where Megapon is going, just really quick, like what is maybe your insight or advice for somebody that wants to get into NFTs and is thinking about, okay, what's a smart investment or, you know, how, like, wh why should I do that? Or should I not? Should I wait? How can I get involved? Yeah. Well, firstly, I would only spend like money that is considered entertainment money, right? So that's the first thing. I like, how much would you pay to go maybe on like a short one night break or like go to the movies or something along those lines, like 50 to $100 to maybe... It's 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 situational, right? If you're wealthy, then maybe that goes up to ten thousand dollars. But something that's relatively, you know, if it goes to zero, shrug it off, move on. It's not going to change your life. So I would firstly set my like my limit at that, and then I would look for communities. I'm going to be biased. Obviously, joining Megapond can be a great first community, but look to those communities that have that lower entry point that are active. I mean, I think there's like Doodles with the boxes might be quite cheap right now. Um, so look at the, the teams that are like they've been around they're building, you know, they're not going to run off all of a sudden, they're not going to vanish. Um, and then just get involved. Like, I, I, interestingly, there's there's something like 230 active members in Megapont's Discord channel. Right. So that's 230 people. But then we had the claim for the Kongs to get the coin, which is part of like the Megapont DAO ecosystem. And there's like 800 people who've claimed. Right. So that tells me that there's 550 people who even don't want to say something. Maybe it's too daunting for them to jump into like what seems like a close-knit community. But there's a whole bunch of people in the community who just don't participate in the discourse and the discussion. Just get involved. Like, especially if you're thinking of building, like, oh my, just that, that's like a, the easiest growth hack in the world. If I was building right now, find a project that's somewhat active where you can add some value to 
and just get in the trenches. Like, good example, um, ironically launched before Megapont, but who's done an exceptional job of growing within Megapont is Dr. Suss on Stacks. Um, who, right now, like, since he started shilling really hard to the, the ponts in there and, like, adding value again to the Megapont ecosystem, not just taking, um, like, he's huge now. Like, his profile is probably going to be bigger than Megapont's one day. Well, it definitely will, given... He's got this 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 great personality and, and character that he's building there in his, his alter ego. So I have no doubt that he'll be a celebrity one day. Um, and like people like that are a great example of how to just get in a community, just build, 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 and grow naturally with it, and don't ask for too much too early. Um, there's a whole bunch of other projects on Stacks as well. Uh, Crash Punks, Bitcoin Monkeys, um, Project Indigo, uh, art, anything that the artist is putting out, non-ish. There's going to be so much for me to say, but yeah, a lot of the projects and stacks have a lower barrier to entry, um, and they're you know they're they're somewhat active and they're all naturally building anyway. Yeah, I always recommend everyone jumping in first with stacks and definitely like I think it's Eat a great wild west for sure. Yeah, um, your money yes. can go up, your money can go up just as fast as it can go down over there, and your yeah. money can disappear a lot faster as well. That's one thing to point out as well. Like these. There needs to be a whole bunch of education in this space because people are just getting scammed left too right many. center yes. all the time. And it's not like Web 2, right? Web 2, your credit card gets hacked. You fund your bank, they refund the transactions. Web 3, you get hacked and everything's gone. Like, yeah. Absolutely everything. And you can't do anything. There's no bank to call. Um, you can no try and phone the police, but apparently they find it amusing, which is weird. Um, I don't know how it would be more amusing like a Picasso being stolen than it would have bought eight for yeah. whatever reason it is. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's no compensation, like you said, no insurance. Um, so you need to be a bit more careful. Yeah, yeah. So moving, now we've spoken a little bit about the evolution of Megapond and I want to look forward. I know I've heard in a few AMAs and we spoke to about you want you guys wanting to create um whether it's like a female nft project or a project with more um female traits tell me a little bit about that and yeah and we can go from there we like weasley when i say really wants to do this i mean he really 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 wants to do this um we have like internal proof of concepts for what he calls them apex he's gonna he's gonna kill me if i call it what if i get it wrong i think he calls them apex but he wants to create like a female ape equivalent collection um i i wonder if it's because it's, it's quite odd i wouldn't say that we're like feminists but i think because we have daughters um like i i see a world where i want them to be more involved i like I, i'm a white british male i'm one of the most fortunate kind of demographics in existence really for the most part um and I, I look, it was interesting. I put a comment in Megapont and I'll, I'll come back to the, the female thing where I said like, what, what collections exist that are like hu really human-esque? Like, like I can maybe go through and browse and be like, I really vibe with this. So interestingly, I, I'm looking at buying either a punk or a body and I want one that like fits with me in a way, right? I like, it's a big purchase to me. And I'm like, I really want one that I look at and I'm like, that's it. And I was looking with, it needs to be, I was looking with my partner and it's quite funny. We were looking through the board apes and I was like, I really like this one. And she said to me, she said, you, you never wear a hat. And I was like, it, it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's a board ape. But she said, you never wear a hat. And I was like, that's it. Whether, you, whether we want to say it or not, people will buy NFTs that they feel, they see a little bit of themselves in, in, in whatever way. And the ape, we have like one or two traits that are um, what I would consider like female traits, right? Like we have the pink bow, which is very stereotypical um the story behind that someone came into discord and was like i want a bow trait and weasley being weasley was like okay cool here's a bow trait and it made it into the collection because that's the kind of artist he is if you go to megapont right now and ask for something on like an upcoming collection he'll put it in there just because he finds that really fun right um so we want to do a female um we want to do a female collection and like transparent being transparent on this it's just we've really struggled i think to work on it and get to a point where we feel good about it, where it feels like um, there's been some real thought that I've gone into the traits and the collection isn't like an afterthought or a cash grab in many ways. 
Um, there are some that I've done. Like I think like World of Women, Crypto Chicks, those collections are great. Um, I bought a few Crypto Chicks. Um, my partner, Laura, she has one of those as her PFP. And she spent ages going through and like finding one that looked like her. And it doesn't, I told her it doesn't look like her, but she said it does. Um, she spent ages looking for the right one. And it, it was quite difficult because she didn't understand floor price mechanics um, and how certain traits. I was like, wait, well, hold on for a second. Like, these are the traits that you don't want. She's like, oh, this one of one looks cool. I was like, yeah, I bet it looks cool. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we will do it. Um, we'll do it and we'll do it. Well, I think we'll do it right. We'll probably do it this year. I think after MSA maybe. Um, and we'll probably do it more openly with a community um, where we, I think, consult on templates and traits and make sure we get it right as well. Because I don't think female collections outside of like the female avatar-based collections have been done very well. So like, yeah, you can go to Critical Chicks, World of Women, but they're very human-esque. Whereas like female ape or female tiger or, or like those animal-based collections, which whether we like it or not, are the most in-demand collections. There hasn't been a great female uh, collection. I don't think a project needs to be female-led to be so, but we should certainly consult with, with, with women, right? And make sure that we at least don't try and think we know what, what traits should be in there, especially when you've built your Weasley and you want 300 of them, right? Um, that's the thing as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do it and we'll do it more openly, which could be quite cool as well. So I guess that that's the question. Like, what's the thought process as a team thinking about building um, an NFT project that's, you know, has female traits um, without really a, a women's touch? Like, so what, so that's, What's the thought process behind that? Yeah, um, it, it's difficult, which is why we didn't do it the first time, firstly. And I think you just, you, what, one thing we were really worried of in the early days is offending people. And like the whole cancel culture thing, not, and not, not like attacking woke culture, but just saying we really don't want to offend anyone. So the easiest way for us to not do that was to ha perhaps not put a whole bunch of these traits in, which was the wrong way of thinking about it. We should have just done it anyway. And if it was all done with sincere intentions and something perhaps was taken the wrong way, we could have just changed it and taken it out. And I think what we'll do with our female collection is one, consult with uh, the community to make sure that things that they want, not, not what they think should be included, but what they want. Like, I, I don't know, what, what do you want in there? And then also take some risks on our side as well. Like, what do we think should be in there? Um, and we'll just run with it. I think that's the key uh, for why we need females involved with the traits there. Not because we need to ask, is this okay? But like, what do you want in there? That's it's as simple as that. There's a, and there's a difference there. Um, one of them is, do you think we should have this pink bow? Well, maybe not while well, it's going in anyway. Versus what do you think we should have there? Well, this is what we think should exist in traits in terms of like headwear and for, um, for clothing and for, you know, get rid of this makeup because no makeup looks like that. And you can tell that two men have designed, designed this makeup, right? Um, which maybe we'll, we'll, we'll maybe do that for a trait as well. Mark and Weasley makeup and we'll try and like close our eyes and figure out uh, what stereotypical sort of um, maybe 19th century makeup looked like. But yeah, we'll just involve, um, the wide community to make sure we get some traits in there that they want in there as well. Um, it would be really cool to have the collection that, um, like, what, like, female, uh, it's, it's odd because it's not female-led, right? And again, trying to work on that one, how, how do we attract 50% um, of the globe when they might want to go to a female, rightfully so, go to a female-led project? And we're not that, so we shouldn't pretend to be that. Um, so it's like, how do we launch the collection in the right way, but still appeal to those people and be like, we might not be female led, but we've at least got a whole bunch of traits in here that, you know, um, are going to resonate with you. And you're going to think, hey, this is cool. I really vibe with this ape. Yeah. I mean, I think when also for me, I, I love looking. Yeah, I definitely want to get an ape that has more female touch. Like that's yeah. like, you know, flowers. I love flowers. So flowers for me is like a big thing. But <clears throat> I think, you know, all my friends also wanting to get involved. Like you said, we want to grab something that we relate or we really like or we really want. And I think honesty is really important. And, and I feel like Megapon and you 
Mark, do that very well. You're very transparent. And um, that's the most important thing. And understanding that, hey, we want to cater maybe to a different audience or we want to just be more inclusive, be more diverse. And that's really powerful, not only you know, for other communities, but like even you mentioned earlier, you know, you have children and you have girls and you want them mm. to be a part of this. Um, and I think it's going to attract an, a different type of audience. So have you thought about who you, like who you really want to bring into, into the space with this, um, with the, with this collection? Yeah. Um, well, women, number one, I, I think, uh, and we have two collections coming up, which again are, so Kung Fu, I won't go into much detail as to what that eventually will become because it's going to be a really good surprise to everyone. And that's a collection that we're focusing on being more entertainment. Hey, like we're doing something really cool on blockchain that's interactive and it's amazing. But it's, I wouldn't call it a PFP collection. Can you use the NFTs as PFP? Sure you can. But like the art, first and foremost, hasn't been designed as a PFP collection. And then we have MSA, which is uh, our version of putting all the apes onto an upgraded canvas. And in a spacesuit, again, really cool, but no female traits. There'll be some flower spacesuits for sure. Um, and then with this new collection, I think we'll just straight on go on, and I don't want to say attack the market, but be like, we're building a collection where we believe um, women can come to this collection and be like, this ape resonates with me as an individual more than this male ape with this Viking helmet and a cigarette in its mouth and maybe a pig nose does, right? Um, which I don't think resonates with many people, by the way, but hey, um, like there's a few people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And just making sure that it'd be so cool to to have that collection where like a woman comes into the NFT space and they're like, oh, I'm going to go get like a, a Megapon A pet or whatever, because like this is what the female influences that I look up to in like the Stacks community or wherever. Like this is their NFT, right? really cool to have the nft um so we'll 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 try our hardest to make sure that we um that we we nail that and we we will hire like some female representation within megapont when we launch that collection for sure just because um at the moment the the team of myself weasley face and slinger um which i would consider like the core team on the project most of the time we're all males and that's fine but why it's not fine is we create the direction of the community nearly all the time. And it would be cool to have some, some diversity in, in the representation there of who's controlling the narrative and positioning the discussion within the project. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll hire in someone female, I think on the community side in Megapon at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, just quick question regarding this and we can move on, but why is it important to have diversity for Megapon? Like for, yeah, why, why, just why? Is everyone that? has different experiences, right? Yeah. And you want to have a rounded team. I mean, one of the problems is like myself uh, and Faze, we live within 60 miles of each other. Um, Slinger grew up in the Netherlands um, and Weasley, obviously he's out in Russia at the moment. So we've got, um, I don't want to say similar background, but like, we're all white males and um it's quite funny i so i had quite a rounded experience not many people know this um so i grew up in the northeast of england but my my father he was my stepdad my father um was black so his family migrated from um from jamaica uh to, to wolverhampton and it was so cool at school like i remember the music i would listen to because my my youth was shaped by my father so like my music was like my early albums people it was all notorious big and I'm, my favorite album to this day is coffee brown right and it's it's an r&b album that hardly anyone has ever heard of and i remember playing i can't remember i was playing a racing game as a child and i'd have friends come around and i'd have like coffee brown playing on like my custom radio station in the game my friends would be like what the hell is this music i've never heard this and you don't realize that that's shaped by the environment you grew up in and you know um I'd, I'd have sort of um, goat and rice for dinner. And we, I had this really well-rounded upbringing because of that diversity of life experiences that my parents had. And um, you see a lot of that missing in, in the world these days, I think. And just opening your eyes to how different people and different cultures um, exist. And Weasley's very big on this as well. So one of his big visions is to have like, all the, he wanted to create like this global map of the megapon 
project and create little little avatars that said something about every country in some way, whatever that may be. Um, he really wanted to do something along those lines, and he's 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 big on on exploring other cultures as well. Um, so more more than anything else, it just adds so much immense value to the project. I've seen it growing up how much how 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 beneficial it was to me as an individual to be more rounded to different cultures. And I think NFT projects are the same. It just, it appeals to more people, right? It's as simple as that. Um, because whether we like it or not, people tend to gravitate to those that are most similar to them in one way or another. Yeah, well, I, I think this is important because we're building something new, Web3, and it would be such a shame too to not include more voices to not be more diverse because we already live in a world where there's so much separation and just having more inclusion in that I think it's it's really what's going to separate and, and have a long-term impact as well yeah for sure so just to wrap up why are you such a fan of crypto in general for anyone listening that's new like what really what do you love most about the space I gotta start by changing that question to what do I hate most about the space? Okay, I was going to ask you that second, but... <laughs> oh, okay. The fixation, more so in the NFT communities, but like the coins, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, if you're trading the coins, then you're trading a... Again, I'm going to make some people go crazy here, but you're trading an asset, right? You're going to be fixated on the price. It's as simple as that. Whereas you i think you had a whole bunch of people who maybe participated in the ico rise back in 2017 come over to nfts and just view nfts as jpegs on top of like a fungible token that's what they consider them but i think nfts are trying to do so much more so i think the fixation on price megapunt can like we brush it off because financially we're in a position where we're able to do that it's as simple as that if if the price of our assets went to zero then we'll still be building. Like if, if our mints don't sell out and no one buys our mints, we'll still be building. Um, there'll come a point where we'll stop for sure. Of course we will. But for the most part, we can, we can keep building for a very long time. Um, but the fixation on price and how much negativity that brings to smaller projects is potentially terminal for a lot of new entries to the space, especially if it's creative individuals. So just slow down, be a bit nicer, especially to the smaller projects. If something takes longer than they've expected, then that's just normal. The amount of startups I've seen and in personally invested in, where it's like, oh, we're seven months late on shipping this feature, which is a button. And it's like, oh, well, this happens, right? Whether we like it or not, delays happen. So um, just be a bit easier. What I love most is the community. Um, outside of crypto, you'd be hard pressed other than niche clubs and hobbies to find a more passionate group of individuals who are very easily rallied around a common cause. And I think that that's super powerful, super, super powerful. Hasn't been fully utilized in many ways, but um, yeah, super powerful. And sometimes when you see what the community is capable of, it makes you proud to be building in this space. Yeah, I like this. I have very same sentiment. sentiment. So, <clears throat> You've briefly touched upon this, but the crypto and Web3 space, the technology moves so fast and can be quite challenging. And also with what people are saying, how do you create balance in your life to enjoy life? I don't. I fail. I fail. fail. At the moment, yeah. I fail miserably. <laughs> I do. I'll be honest. It's really difficult. Really difficult. Um, especially around any time it's dropped. So we have like a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, so that's when it's rough. Um, what, when it works out, and I, I do this from time to time, I just force myself away. You just got to do it. And it's never as bad as you think either as well. Mm. Like I always think, oh, what's it going to, what's Discord going to be like in the morning? What if no one said anything? Is someone going to be on Twitter and be like, where have you been? It's never happened. <laughs> it's, one, it's more so on me 99% of the time to just take that break because I don't think most people care, but I maybe have this misplaced conception that they do. So more often than not, just force yourself to do it mm. and everything will be fine. Coming from someone who's not doing that themselves, <laughs> but I should. Try, you try. 
I try. I do. Yeah. Okay. So the just lightning round is a just a series of questions that I ask you, and you can answer them as fast as you can. Um, are you ready? Yes. Okay. What's your favorite book? Uh, Art of War. Okay. One piece of advice to share with the world right now. Be nice to people. <laughs> What do you value most right now? Free time. Favorite place on earth? My garden. What do you love most about yourself? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. Um, commit my commitment. Ooh, okay, love that. All right, well, we have wrapped up. I I appreciate you for taking the time. We might have gone over a little bit, but it was such a pleasure um, talking to you. Where can people hang out and connect with you? Yeah, come to the Megapont Discord, um, Discord.gg/Megapont, uh, or on Twitter. There's two Megaponts. One is Megapont NFT, and the other one is Megapont. Very confusing. Megapont is Weasley. So Meg mm. Megapont is like the, 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 the brand name uh, for the universe that he picked up. So we should swap them at some point. But yeah, any of those is what we'd consider part of the community. So usually, it's such mega. I think, I think we're at the point where you can search Megapont in Google now and we come up. Yeah. I don't know, though. Don't quote me that. I think we might. So maybe just Megapont on Google and you'll find us somehow. Okay, all the links, I'll share them here so they can connect with you. Um, and I'm excited for all that's coming up. Is there anything else that you would like to say or share? That's it. No, that was fantastic. Thank you for having me. Uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. I so appreciate you being here. My intention with this podcast is to empower you to walk into another world feeling confident. Through powerful conversations, we can build this bridge together. If you love this conversation, please leave a review on iTunes. And if you're feeling extra generous, share this episode with a friend who's curious too. To stay connected, find me on Twitter and IG at Vibes. See you next week when we unravel a little bit more.